Well, hello, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bible Breakdown. I hope that you are having a good Holy Week as we look forward to a Good Friday coming up, as well as our celebration of Easter. Um, I think when we talk about holidays, we obviously we think about Christmas, and there's a lot of hoopla around Christmas that's non-religious and additional to religious. And we celebrate Christmas, of course, we're celebrating that God would humble himself and come to take on flesh and live even as a small baby uh, on our behalf, leading to the life, uh, death, and resurrection. Um, But even as we celebrate Christmas, we can't look at Christmas as the end. Christmas isn't the end-all, be-all of our faith. And then we look forward to Good Friday, um, the day in which we celebrate Jesus' death on the cross, and we look at that, and we say, we're glad that that also isn't the end. That's not the end of our celebration. And then we come to Easter, where we are going to be celebrating Jesus' resurrection this coming Sunday. And I'm going to make the claim, hopefully for some shock value so it gets you interested, that even the resurrection is not the end. Even our celebration of Easter is not the end of our hope. And so this time of resurrection is a great time for us to reflect on the hope that is tied into the resurrection. Um, we've talked about in a podcast before that our faith in general um, doesn't exist apart from a hope as well. Our faith in Jesus is not ultimately a faith that will continue being faith forever. Our faith is not something that will have to um, be, as Jesus says, uh, after Thomas um, sees him and Jesus says, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. There's a time when we will see Jesus face to face. So we hope for that time. So our faith is tied to this hope that we will one day have our faith be made sight, even though now our faith doesn't exist with sight. We don't see Jesus in the flesh before us. We haven't seen him return, that there's this hope that one day we will and that our faith will become sight. And when we think about the resurrection, when we talk about the resurrection, there's a hope that's involved in that as well. So what I'm going to posit today is that there is uh, a lot of hope tied up in the resurrection and it doesn't just have to do with what we're celebrating on Easter, though none of that hope would be real if it weren't for the reality of Easter. So let's start there. Let's start. The first aspect of our hope in resurrection is ultimately in Jesus' resurrection. The only reason that we can have hope, that we can have faith, that we have something that we believe in is because of this hope that comes from Jesus' resurrection. So um, Paul is going to explain in 1 Corinthians 15, there's actually a lot about resurrection in that passage. If you're Uh, If you're curious about learning more about um, maybe what resurrection looks like um, in the in the end times or um, when Jesus comes back, there's some good information in there. Uh, First Corinthians 15 is a good chapter to go for. But he is going to say this specifically um, that has a lot of really important value for us. So it's going to be in chapter 15, starting verse 16. It says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And in this passage, he's going to be talking to some people who believe that there is no resurrection of the dead. So that's kind of the context we're looking at here. Uh, and he says, in verse, starting in verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life, only we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So what Paul is explaining to his opponents who uh, don't believe in resurrection, as far as um, we see in the New Testament, we know especially um, a big segment of Judaism, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. Uh, so this may be some of that influence working its way into this uh, into the Corinthian church. Um, we're not going to dive too deeply into that today. Um, but that's basically probably a, a semblance, at least, of what he is facing in the Corinthian church is just this idea that there is no resurrection. Um, and so we need to kind of live it up here. Um, and so what he's explaining, he's like, well, if there is no resurrection, then that means that Jesus also wasn't resurrected. And if Jesus wasn't resurrected, he says that we most of all should be pitied. So really, without the resurrection, we don't have a faith. And the reason of that is, uh, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, how can we expect that we can also be raised from the dead? When we talk about eternity, um, if Jesus hasn't been raised, then we don't have a hope that we're going to be raised after this life is over. So ultimately, our hope is the foundational aspect of our, of our hope, the foundational aspect of our faith really is in Jesus' resurrection. If there is no Jesus' resurrection, there is no faith for us. There's no hope for us. Um, we made a mistake. We followed the wrong guy. He was just a guy because he died and nothing happened. He lied. He said he was going to return. He didn't. So the resurrection, as we celebrate Easter, it's really the absolute foundation. The most important part of our faith is that Jesus raised from the dead and that we believe that he actually did because he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to 500 others. Um, his disciples began um, a life and ministry in which they would be repeatedly persecuted, tortured, put to death on behalf of the name of Jesus, which I think for us gives us a lot of confidence that they really believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. I can't imagine why, if you knew um, that it was a lie, if you knew that Jesus was a lie, why you would undergo such hardship for him. Um I've heard it said before that people die for a lie all the time, but not many people die for a lie they know is a lie. And I think that describes the disciples pretty well. So ultimately, as we talk about just in general, the hope of resurrection, all of this hope is wrapped up in the person of Jesus and what he accomplished, not just on the cross, but also in his resurrection rising from the dead, which we'll be celebrating here on Easter. Um, just what a beautiful uh, truth and what beautiful implications it has for us. And so at the beginning, when I said, I don't believe that the end, that Jesus resurrection um, is the end, that there's more. And really kind of what I'm speaking to is that um, there's more hope and joy that emerges from Jesus resurrection, even after the actual event. Like I said, the event itself, the resurrection of Jesus is the absolute foundation on which we don't have anything else built. But there's some really important implications for us, even as we um, move forward from the resurrection, as we consider the implications of the resurrection. And the first implication really of Jesus' resurrection is the hope of present resurrection for us. And this is going to be both, uh, I'm going to describe ways in which this is personal, in which it's also in some ways circumstantial, which I'll kind of uh, explain that a little more because it's not super clear. But the hope of resurrection is also for us Presently, the hope of Jesus' resurrection also has an impact on us presently. And one 
way in this kind of in this really deeply personal way is the resurrection that we attain spiritually when we believe in Jesus. I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is just one of the most, I think it's one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. Um, One of the best descriptions of what our transformation in Christ looks like. And you can see this death language that Paul is using here in this chapter. He says twice that we are dead in our trespasses, meaning that spiritually in regards to who God is, um, we were dead. We were dead because we were living a life that had no hope, that we had faith in nothing that could save, that we were living and doing things that were futile. They had no value and we had no Uh, ability to do things with value because, again, we were dead. There's not a lot that a person who's dead can do on their own to create life, right? But we also see not just this death language, but we also see this resurrection language. Verse 6, he raised us up with him. And verse 5, made us alive together with Christ. There's this element of resurrection that doesn't just mean I was physically dead and then I'm physically alive. There's also this idea of resurrection that is, again, rooted in the resurrection of Jesus because he made it all possible. That it's this personal resurrection where I was dead in my sins. I was dead in my trespasses and so were you. But because of what Jesus has done, because of God's rich mercy and his great love, even though we were dead, we were made alive in Christ. We weren't bringing something to the table. We were Empty, we had nothing to offer to God, but he was merciful. He was loving. And because of that, he made us alive with him. So the hope of our present resurrection is that the sins that I lived in, the way of life that I formerly lived in, that can be redeemed, that it can be redeemed. And it has been redeemed through faith in Jesus. So for any of us who have put our faith in the person of Jesus and his death on our behalf and his resurrection, for him alone as our savior, we get to look back and say, we've already experienced resurrection because formerly we were dead. And you can look at your old life and whether you were um, more of a prodigal son or you were more of a, um, maybe like a Paul, maybe a legalist, somebody who was really good at following the rules, but empty inside. Maybe you feel like you've known Jesus your whole life, whatever the case, before Jesus came into our lives, before Jesus Uh, was the person that we placed our faith in. We were dead and we were all equally dead. No one was more dead or worse off than another person. But ultimately, God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So any of us who have believed in Jesus have experienced already the joy of a resurrection because we have gone from a way of living that produced death to now a way of living in Jesus that produces life. And so we have that, a lot of us, and and you may not be able to necessarily identify that one moment where I didn't believe, I did believe, you may have been young, you may have forgotten, and that's totally okay. But truthfully, we all had a moment where we didn't believe in Jesus, then a moment when we did. We had a moment when we didn't have the Holy Spirit, and we have a moment where now we do. So we have this one kind of uh, big moment that we can think of where we can see this hope of our present resurrection. It's very personal, very spiritual Um, And it's a once for all. It's not something that um, we have to keep up Um, because of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We know that um, ultimately anyone who has truly confessed the name of Jesus um, is secure forever. That's probably a case for another podcast. But for this, just uh, we'll just go with assuming on this one. Um, Not assuming it says in scripture. Okay, getting off track. But so even though we have this one moment right, where we move from death to life, we also see that in our lives, we have this, uh, we still have this sin in us, right? We still have these uh, actions, these desires that are sinful, and ultimately they produce, uh, they don't produce life, they produce death. But I think what what I want to see, look at it a couple examples in scripture, and what I think we can look at in our lives is that this hope of resurrection isn't just when I cross from death to life, but it's also that Jesus is redeeming. He's resurrecting even those dead works, those dead circumstances in our lives, those difficult circumstances, and he's creating life out of them. So I'm going to give a a couple uh, passages where we see that in the scripture, and then we'll talk a little more about it. So Genesis 50, bet you didn't know Genesis had 50 chapters, did you? This is right at the end of Joseph's life. Um, You may remember Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery because they were jealous of him. We talk about the code of many colors. Don't get me started on the code of many colors, but that was one of the reasons they were jealous is because his dad favored him a lot, but they ended up selling him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He's imprisoned. A lot of stuff happens. And then he's second in command in Egypt. I know I skipped a lot of middle there, but that's kind of what happened. So this is toward the end of the Joseph story. Um, and at this point, Joseph's uh, father's died. His brother's same father. They, uh, he had died. So um, they were returning to Joseph. And it's basically going to be a moment where they're going to kind of beg for Joseph's mercy, knowing that they had hurt him. So uh, Genesis 50, starting verse 16, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father, who again was also their father, gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So Joseph had this really difficult circumstance um, where he was sold into slavery, wrongly imprisoned. Um, he ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. See, we're filling out the story a little bit. And then uh, he ends up saving the land from famine and not only the land of Egypt, but also many other nations are able to come and eat of the food that he's stored up. And so ultimately what we see in this 
passage is a recognition from Joseph that he looks back on everything that happens and he says, I realize that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so he's able to look back and see that even in the midst of actions and circumstances that were intended to produce death, that God was able to produce life out of it. And in this way, really, literally, as many people were kept alive, that wouldn't have been if Joseph hadn't been there. Uh, and Romans 8.28 is going to kind of drive home this point, too. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, when... We talk about working together for good. That doesn't mean it always works together for something we like. Um, sometimes good is a, a trial that produces endurance, as we see in James, as we also see in other parts of uh, Romans that Paul is going to talk about what um, trials produce. They produce proven character and hope also. So there you go. Um, but really what I think these verses illustrate is another aspect of this kind of personal or this present resurrection, resurrection that we can currently experience still. So again, we still live in a reality, whether um, based on the, our own personal sin, the others, other sins against us, or even just the general presence of sin in the world, we still experience heartbreak. We experience loss. We experience difficulty. We experience frustration, sadness, all these kind of negative things, all these kind of things that um, in and of themselves produce death, things that produce nothing good in us on their own, um, things that we would never choose for ourselves. But what we see in the hope that we have in Jesus' resurrection is that he's not only been resurrected himself. He's not only passed us from death to life, but even these circumstances, these choices in our lives that would produce death, even those he's able to redeem. And I'd like you to take some time to think about a time where maybe you were in a circumstance like Joseph, where um, evil was done to you, where someone sinned against you, but ultimately you saw how God redeemed it in some way. Um, I think about in my life, one of the one of the hardest things for me in my life, I would say, one of the things I struggle with most uh, is to admit when I'm wrong. I really don't like to admit when I'm wrong, not because I don't like to uh, recognize it, but I don't like the feelings associated with having wronged someone. The, the guilt, um, the feelings of how can I make this up to someone else? How can I make this okay? which ultimately just shows I need to grow in, in God's grace and the grace of others. But the reason I bring that up is I think some of the most influential and important times in my life are when I have admitted that I've done something wrong and I've used that circumstance for growth. And that circumstance has been used for growth in me, even sometimes against my will. And even on top of that, having the opportunity to share with someone else a mistake that I've made, a mistake that I've admitted and to be able to help somebody either walk through that same mistake or avoid that same mistake. So uh, I think about doing uh, marriage ministry, me and uh, Caitlin have done premarital counseling with a lot of couples. One of the more influential, some of the more influential times are when we can kind of say, this is where we have really dropped the ball. We have done poorly and we want to encourage you to not follow in our footsteps or we recognize a conflict going on between the couple that we've experienced too. And just having that opportunity to be vulnerable and open and to use that, that former mistake in our lives, in our marriage, um, to help someone walk through where we had been at that point. And that really has nothing to do with 
my righteousness or Caitlin's or anyone else's. It's really has to do with the righteousness of Christ and what he does, even with the dirtiest parts of us, even with the parts of us that are the least appealing, that he's still turning those for good. That's the hope of this resurrection that's kind of built in these circumstances, even in the midst of our sin, which produces death. One of the most amazing things that God does, he even uses that sin and those hard circumstances for his glory and for our good. Even if the good doesn't feel that good at the time when we can look back and we can say, that was really great. That was really important that God used that. Um, that was has created in me something I would never have been able to create in myself um, because of how God used those circumstances. So the, the hope of present resurrection has its hope in this, this moment where we believe in Jesus and we're raised from death to life. But then even ongoing as we walk with Jesus, there's a continuing hope of resurrection in our everyday circumstances that even from death, he's going to produce life. Even from things that are against his will, he's going to work it for our good, for his glory. And that's a hope that we have that whatever circumstance you see in your life right now, it may be it may be a sin struggle. It may be um, a, a difficult situation that you feel trapped in. Whatever that is for you, whatever you look at and you say, this is producing death in me. There is no hope for this to be overcome. The hope in that, the hope in the resurrection is that even these dead situations, these situations that seem to produce death to us, that there's the hope of resurrection, that there's the hope that Jesus makes a way even through those times. And so as we move into the final section, um, just want to recap um, one important part of the first passage I read from 1 Corinthians 15. It's verse 19. Paul says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's not a very beautiful thing to hear, but it's true because we don't just have hope in this life only in Christ. So we can say, wow, that would be bad. We would be pitied, but that's luckily for us, not the case. Ultimately, what we finally look for, what's rooted in the person of Jesus, what we will ultimately realize is the moment when our faith will become sight, our hope will become realized, and that's in the hope of the eternal resurrection. I'm going to read from verse uh, from Revelation 21, 1 through 7. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and er the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Ultimately, we look forward to a resurrection that doesn't involve faith or hope, that 
Um, you may remember a pastor where Paul says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We look forward to a day where faith will pass away and hope will pass away because our faith will become sight, our hope will become realized. And what Paul says, if we we can talk about the hope we have in this life in Christ, it's obviously incredible. We, we get to live life um, in a way with a purpose that people who don't know Christ don't have. Um, all of us are searching for purpose and only those who find it in Christ will ultimately find it. And even as great as that is, it's it's pitiable if that's where it ends, is what Paul says. We should be pitied if, even though this is great, that's all we have hope for. We should still be pitied. But our hope is ultimately in eternity where we will get to be with God. We will see Jesus face to face. And as we think about Jesus' resurrection this Easter, as we reflect on that, we ultimately realize that his resurrection and his return to the presence of God is He's the forerunner for us that we too will be raised from the dead and we will go to the presence of God, even though uh, we don't deserve it. Jesus obviously came from heaven. He returned to heaven. He was sinless. He deserved it. That's his place. That's his home. We're only able to be there because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his resurrection, because of the mercy and grace that he extends to us on uh that he extends to us based on the sacrifice that he's made. Um, but ultimately we get to look forward to a day where um, all things are made new and the dwelling place with God is with of God is with man and he will dwell with us. The idea that we could live with God, that we could be not in a relationship that is um, only spiritual, um, that we wouldn't have faith in something that we don't see, but that we would have also this spiritual, emotional we can see him with our eyes, physical, um, and that he'll be there and that we will get to see him face to face. That's really the hope that we ultimately rest in. That As we talk about the hope of resurrection, it's built on Jesus. It has an effect in our lives today as we think about crossing from death to life and spiritually, and even as we think about the circumstances in our life that produce death and how God turns those into situations of life. And then we ultimately look forward to the moment where this resurrection is final where we're given a new body where sin is not something that is affecting and afflicting us anymore. So as you, as you go through this, the rest of this Holy week, as you think about good Friday, as you think about Jesus resurrection, I hope that ultimately it'll be a moment of hope um, that our faith will be strengthened and that our hope will be strengthened as well, that we will we will hope earnestly for the things in this life that seem like death, and we will hope earnestly that God will create life out of them, and ultimately we'll, our hope being found that there won't be any more death, there won't be any more sin, and that we'll get to be with Him forever and enjoy Him forever.